Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. News Talk 1110 WBT, 7 past 9 o'clock in the Tyboid studio, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, we got Jim Zoki and Bernie and Tommy, and it's that time of the week, David Chadwick, and special guest with David Chadwick today. Yeah, you know, I wanted a part two with J.J. Jansen because the last time he was on two weeks ago with Super Bowl weekend, we ended up talking a lot about Super Bowl stuff, and, and there were so many questions I wanted to ask him, you know, Taylor Swift stuff and, and the Black National Anthem mm-hmm. controversy as well, but also how do you live out your faith in a really difficult environment where you know, money, sex, and power are the unholy trinity, and you're a person of great faith and values. Don't necessarily buy into all of that stuff. So how do you live out that faith? So I thought, let's do part two, and he gave me part two today. Okay, before we get into part two, I want to go back to part one, okay? And just so, I mean, we all watched the Super Bowl, and we remember what happened, but let's remember exactly how it ended. First and go at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver emotion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years! The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions! It is a dynasty! The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. Three points in overtime. That was the evening of February 11th. Uh, earlier in the day on February 11th on this station, on the David Chadwick Show. I'm going ha- to have a bold sort of prediction here. I think the game is going to be 27-23 overtime game. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be twenty to twenty at at the end of regulation, and I think it's going to go into overtime. I just think that the Chiefs' defense is really, really strong, uh, and I would never bet against Mahomes. So you know, in the movie uh, Mr. Mom, they said you know two twenty, two twenty one, whatever it takes. Okay, so you said twenty five twenty three. The score was twenty seven to twenty. I'm sorry, you said twenty five to twenty two, and the score was twenty seven to twenty three. In right. overtime. You said that backwards, but yes. Did I, I say it backwards? Yeah, oh. so so my, my prediction was it was go 2020 to overtime, and I kind of know how Kyle Shanahan would play, and I thought that they would take the ball first, which was actually a fine decision. There was nothing wrong with it, and I thought he would settle for a field goal. That was just my pre-game thought. Like, if it went to overtime, he'd settle for a field goal. Your, and your gut feeling. My gut feeling was, <laughs> and then and then I just wasn't willing to bet against Mahomes at that point, and, and there's some analytics as to why that w- might happen, but... I felt very strongly it was going to be a low-scoring game. I went out on a limb and said, hey, I think this is going to be an overtime game. And sure enough, I missed it by one point. And you said 19-19. I said 20 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 It was 19-19, right. actual game. If uh, you were a gambling man, Vegas would have been a good place to be. That's right. <laughs> the, and, and, but I, I know there's a lot of gambling in North Carolina coming up. 
NFL players are not allowed to gamble on right. football, so the best I can do is give my predictions on the David Chadwick show, uh, and then you can do whatever you want with well, that information. Well, but you said predictions because you guys went back and crunched the numbers, well, not just this time, but in years past. Ed Billick, uh, my producer, went back over the last four years. The JJ's been on the show with me to, and uh, has done this annually, predicted the Super Bowl. Folks, he is four out of four, and most of the time within just a few points of this. We began the show with all hail King JJ, (laughs) the ultimate football Nostradamus. Uh, There's something he's got to retire immediately so that you could actually cash in on your. Actually, you need to start making the predictions in quatrains. You know, and this is the the rhyming quatrains, so you'd be like a uh, Nostradamus type Uh, figure. I think I think a lot of the uh, gambling experts they all start uh, their hotlines and the uh, the pay for call in, so you get all my picks. Uh, I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon, but uh, we've had fun with it. And and look, when you play enough football and you study enough of the, the analytics and the numbers, you have a sense of how the game might play out because teams have strengths and weaknesses. And having played in that game before, I know there's always a little bit of nervous tension. And I kind of thought it'd be a low-scoring game because I thought everyone was going to be a little bit nervous early on. And the game was a little clunky there for a while. And then we got a great finish. Well, 58 Super Bowls, and I believe there have been two overtimes. Right. So for you to predict overtime, yeah. <laughs> that one is pretty darn good. All hail King JJ. <laughs> so anyway, I wanted to start out and uh, and give credit where credit is due because that's uh, that's pretty spot on. So that was that was fun. David texted me and goes, "I can't believe this is happening." I responded, "Me neither. I can't believe this is happening." <laughs> well, it's funny you actually predicted San Fran would take the ball first because. I thought the opposite as far as strategy, because I'm thinking you're giving Patrick Mahomes all the information he needs now that he gets to go second, he gets four downs to try to figure out how they're going to win the game. Well, I want to talk about that a little bit. Frank Wright, our former head coach, was actually part of the group that put together this new rule. The goal of the rule was how do we make the winner of the coin flip not a huge advantage? And the way they did that was give the, no matter what happened on the first possession, give the second team the matching opportunity. So you couldn't just end it with a touchdown. As the game goes along, touchdowns become easier to come by because the defenses get tired. So that was the purpose of the rule. Now, we've never had one of these situations, but they run lots of models. That's the value of analytics. And they basically said, it's about 50-50. And the conclusion was, if you had to make a choice... The team that wins the toss should take the ball. But it's minuscule. So he made the right choice, but it really wasn't that big of a deal. And this whole thing about Mahomes, the the biggest mistake of the entire game was that on fourth and four from the nine in the overtime, San Francisco kicked a field goal. Two reasons why. The first was analytics said, you got to go for it. It was a minus 12% win percentage, which basically means it'd be the equivalent of choosing to not kick a 55-yard field goal at the end of regulation, and let's just play in overtime. Like, that, that was the difference. That, that's the mathematical difference. So, but what it did was, as soon as they kicked the field goal, to your point, Zoke, now Mahomes gets four downs, at least until they get into Harrison Bucker field goal range. And even then, they're probably going for it because they're saying, we're not going to just kick a field goal to tie and then you get the ball. So you were always giving Mahomes four downs. Now, if they had gone for it and missed it, it would have been the, the, the score would have effectively still been 0 0 in overtime. Mahomes wouldn't have had four downs. And when they, went, they had a fourth and one on the first series of that drive. They'd have punted it back, and that would have been the Kyle Shanahan advantage of the third possession. The field goal was the was the mistake, not taking the ball first. 
Okay, oh. so <laughs> I didn't understand any of that, but it sounded brilliant. But that's why JJ always gets hailed. Nobody JJ. else can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, can you guys hang out for one more segment sure. here? Yeah, okay, sure. we got uh, Brett, Brett Winterbill coming up at nine thirty-five, but uh, we got some other things to unpack from Super Bowl fifty-eight, and also the David Chadwick Show coming up this Sunday at eight a.m. on WBT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Worldwide on the WBT mobile app and also home of the David Chadwick Show every Sunday morning 8 a.m. till 9 a.m., one of our longest-running local shows ever. I can say that now. Now we can, 25 years. Hard to believe. And uh, this this weekend is part two of a uh, conversation I can't wait to hear, and we're hearing a preview of it. Da- uh, David's here and also J.J. Jansen, uh, Carolina Panthers' long snapper. We heard from you uh, before the Super Bowl, and now, now it's in the rear view. Yeah, 16 years in the NFL, and I uh, hope it'll be 17. Right. And JJ's just a, a good man, but also a, a deep man of faith. And my program is a faith and values program that tries to intersect faith and values with issues in the culture locally and globally. But I wanted to ask JJ about some of the obvious things that are before us, like the Black National Anthem at the Super Bowl. Was that divisive? How do you handle that in the locker room? The Taylor Swift phenomenon, does that affect teams in the locker room? Uh, also, the most important thing for me on the show was just, J.J., your faith. You live it out in a locker room where, especially with younger guys, there's the unholy trinity of money, sex, and power being what drives them, and that's not what drives you. And do you ever feel like you're ostracized and lonely as you try to deal with a locker room that doesn't necessarily share your values? And those were the issues we got into today, I mean, on Sunday as well. So, J.J., you want to comment on any of those Uh yeah, I, I think the NFL locker room is a really special place. It's a very intimate place, unlike any other work environment I'd say in the world. Um, every once in a while, we have these big issues, whether they're cultural, whether they're personal inside of a locker room. And the really cool part about being a locker room is there's a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of different beliefs. And we argue and hash them out in, in a way that most workplaces don't. The cool part is by Sunday, we're all pulling in the same direction. So whereas maybe the rest of the world is divisive and they turn and separate from one another, we actually are forced to, by the nature of our job, come closer to one another. And so there's got, you know, there's 53 guys out there on Sunday who all do not think the same thing, but on Sunday we are all working towards a common goal. And the guy next to me might believe very different things than me, but I've got his back and he's got mine. And that makes professional sports a very special place. And, and we get really deep on a lot of these issues and it's a lot of fun. And guys, I think, grow in greater respect for one another because of it. It's a microcosm, really, for how the world should work, how discussions within politics, within our own community should work, that we can actually have disagreements but still be loving and have each other's backs and be caring mm-hmm. and be very protective of our fellow man. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a special, special place. Um, it's the reason why when you hear guys say, uh, you know, do you miss the game? They almost, they almost always say, I don't miss the game, I miss the locker room. I don't miss I might miss Sundays, but what I really miss is the Thursday afternoon eating uh, bojangles or having a cafeteria meal or something like that and we're debating religion. Like Olson always said, I want to know about JJ's conspiracy theories about the dinosaurs. And so, like and we would and this this is how we would like talk and come together and we might we might sit together for two hours and 
debate things and make fun of one another. And we all walk out of there like, hey, that was a lot of fun, even though we had a lot of disagreement along the way. Well, now I want to know about your conspiracy theories about, <laughs> about the, the dinosaur. dinosaur. Sure. That'll, be, that'll be on another show. That'll be part three. That's part three. That's part three. should be in the locker room or the cafeteria for that one. <laughs> okay, okay, Both. Okay. So we'll leave the, the, the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift reaction and conversation. Uh, you can hear that on David's show on Sunday. I want to ask you about something I wondered about, and especially from someone uh, who plays the game like you. So, so much was made in the moment of the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid bump up on mm. the sideline. And what did they really say? And it just came out yesterday that NFL Films uh, has essentially said uh, that, that it's likely we'll never hear that audio. I mean, they have it, but it's we're probably never going to hear it uh, for a variety of reasons. And that is what it is. But you were talking about the percentages and how close this game was and how it could have easily gone the other way. Uh, I tend to look back at that moment on the sideline. If the Chiefs had lost that game, sure. I think that that moment would have become a much bigger story. And uh, I, I wonder, you know, how that might have snowballed. They came back and they won, and everybody made up and high and and and, and all that. But did did you view that at the time? And then all the the, the talk about it afterwards is that big a deal when 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 Andy Reid got bumped by Travis Kelsey? And you've you've heard now what he said. He's apologized and he said he shouldn't have done it. But it happened. What did, what do you make of that whole? Situation? Situation. Yeah, in the moment, I thought it was a huge deal. Um, you know, bumping into your head coach in an angry sort of a way. Um, had it been any other combination of player and coach, it would have been even bigger. We kind of know their long-standing relationship. There's commercial. They're together in commercials. They appear to be very friendly. So I think that is a little bit of a saving grace for them. But I think where the line gets blurred is you will occasionally see a star player get into it with a position coach, maybe even an offensive coordinator. You never see it with a head coach. Well, Andy Reid is the play caller. He is, in many ways, Travis Kelsey's position coach. And I think sometimes those lines get a little bit blurred. And to Kelsey's credit, I was wrong. I was out of line immediately going to there. That's smart, right? You don't need to be defensive. Hey, I made a mistake. I think most people can say... I respect someone for just owning up and saying that was inappropriate. But there's no doubt, had they lost, that would have been a major storyline and could have very easily led to the destruction of that relationship. Winning cures a lot of stuff. It's much easier to apologize when things are now successful. And I imagine they will move past it. I know they've said they will. I will imagine that they, they would in actuality. But look... Things do get heated on the sideline, but everyone's got a responsibility to not cross that line. And that was one of the few times we saw a player truly cross the line. I have a lot of respect for both of them that they're able to move past it, but uh, that was a big deal. Mm. Another big headline about coaching was your former interim head coach, uh, Steve Wilkes, let go after the Super Bowl, and by all accounts, held, you know, again, held Mahomes to 22 during regulation of that game. Inherited the defense that he had to run, and um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like the number one defense, but it was one of the top defenses in the league. Were you surprised when Steve Wilkes got let go? Uh, yeah, I was really surprised. You know, again, being as authentic as you can be, like their defense struggled the second half of the season, but they were also playing much better quarterbacks and much better offenses. And again, analytics, we tend to see defenses sort of rise and fall to the level of their competition. That's common. Steve Wilkes is an amazing human being. He's a fantastic leader. He's a fantastic technician of DB coaches in particular. I've known him for 20 years going back to when he was the DB coach at Notre Dame. He is a fantastic leader. What seems to be the story coming out of San Francisco, and I could see it in the games, is 
the defense he runs is not the defense San Francisco has run for the last six years. And much the same way Saban in Alabama says you are going to mold into the Alabama way, Shanahan said, I need a defensive coordinator to mold into the San Francisco way, which is play coverage with the back seven and that really good defensive line, get after the quarterback. That's not Steve Wilkes' DNA. Steve wants to attack and blitz and come after you. And just watching the games, you could tell that they were struggling to find the blend of what they do versus what Wilkes wants to do. And at the end of the day, as a coordinator, and when you're calling the defense, I do think you have to be authentic to how you view a game. And it just it seems like it was a bad football fit. Not a personal fit, but a bad football fit. Mm. And so I'd imagine you're going to see them hire someone that's likely been there or has worked kind of in that inner circle of the Shanahan-McVay thing. I know a lot's been said about Brandon and Staley, but they have a way of doing things, and I don't know that Steve Wilkes' strategies were similar. One, one would think that would be fleshed out in the interview before you hire him, yes, JJ. And the, he's yeah. such a good guy. So one, so one of the tough parts is, right, so Steve Wilkes was up for the head coaching job here. Mm-hmm. San Francisco lost their D.C. D'Amico Ryans late in January after a long playoff run. Most of the coaches in the NFL had already been hired by the time they got to February. D'Amico leaves for Houston, and now they're searching. So there's only a few qualified defensive head coach or defensive coordinators on the open market. My guess is Kyle looked internally, realized, hey, there's nobody quite ready to be the D.C., then he looks externally, and there's only a few guys that don't have jobs. And remember, you can't take a defensive coordinator from another team. So it was going to have to be either someone that was unemployed the year before or a guy like Wilkes who was up for a head coaching job. So maybe it was like a one-year rental in, in some ways. Like, let's see if we can make this work for a year. And it just it seems like maybe it didn't work from a football fit, not a personality fit, because Steve Wilkes is one of the best human beings I've ever been a part of, and you will never find a player that has a bad thing to say about him. He's that good of a leader and a technician. Mm. Fleshing out the interview, that's what you said, right? Yeah, it it was fascinating, and I hope everybody will listen on Sunday. And for me, just one other quick thing is, J.J. talks about losing his father several months ago Mm -hmm. and walking through that grief and how that is a testimony to his teammates as well, that many of them, especially the younger guys, are watching how he deals with that, and that's an open door for him to be able to share his faith as well. And that wraps the pregame show for the David Chadwick Show (laughs) on Sunday, where you specialize in fleshing out things, no matter what it may be. And I know there's football, there's also life and spirituality, so looking forward to part two with J.J. Jansen. Appreciate it, guys. This was fun. We love you. And everybody, the sun came up this morning. Always remember, if the sun comes up, there's hope. And the sky is Carolina blue, as David always says. (laughs)